If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. W-P-H-A-T You're listening to the number one health and wellness podcast. The place where health and consciousness connect. Perfectly, Perfectly healthy, healthy and tone, tone radio, radio. With your host, Darren McDuffie. And now, prepare to get fat. What's up, my perfectly healthy and toned peeps, and welcome to a powerful episode of Perfectly Healthy and Toned Radio. I'm your show host, Darren McDuffie, alias Fat Man, because I help you become perfectly healthy and toned and conscious. Today, I'm sharing an episode with you I did with Dr. Kim DeRamo on her book, The Mind Body Toolkit. To say I could go on for two to three hours with this interview would be a short-sighted statement just simply because Dr. Kim and I had so much in common and we were really on a higher vibe within this show that I had to kind of cut the show off. And you'll hear some background noise in the show and there was a time when her Skype went out, so I had to kind of piece the show back together, but it's going to be smooth flowing and I'm sure that you're going to enjoy it. Here are some things that you're going to learn on this show. Where is your mind? Most people think the mind is located in the brain, but it will startle you to find out where your mind is actually located. What does self-love have to do with illness? I've done a lot of videos on my YouTube channel about self-love and how Self-love is kind of the alpha and omega and everything permeates from the love for ourselves or for within ourselves. And then how do you surrender to your illness? Dr. Kim talks about specific steps and things that she did to surrender to her illness and how she came out on the other side. As always, I'll remind you to visit my website, Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Please go on there and all of my podcasts are there. And also, if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio or if you're listening within iTunes, I would encourage you to leave a review. I've been working on a lot of projects lately and I haven't been able to have as much time with the podcast as I like, but things will be changing here in the next coming weeks. And again, thank you for your support and enjoy the interview. Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, and I have a special guest with me today. I discovered this woman while watching YouTube, and one of her videos popped up, and I said, I have to have her on my show. Dr. Kim DeRamo, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you? Well, I'm great. Thank you for having me. It sounds very exciting what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And your book is the Mind Body Toolkit, which is exactly where I've been going with a lot of things. There was a time last year when I was kind of searching and discovering where I was going to go with everything because I had come into a lot of knowledge and I wanted to take that knowledge and be able to expand it to my audience. And you just happen to fit into that. I'm going to say cubicle, but you just happen to fit into that space where I'm going. And I know that I had to have you on, but your story is an interesting one. You are a doctor, you're a medical doctor, Dr. Osteopathy, and, but you also had your own illness. Tell us about that and how you got, you expanded yourself into what you're doing now. Uh, yeah, I'd heard a lot 
about the mind-body connection and the body's ability to heal itself and mind over matter and all of that. So when I got sick, it was like fatigue and severe pain and weird chills and like all kinds of weird symptoms that didn't make sense. And I'd go to the doctor and it was like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. But you know, it's like there's something wrong. Just no one could figure out exactly what that was or what was causing it. So I was kind of on my own for a while and it was really frustrating to be in that space of like, what the heck do I do? And why is this happening to me? And then also trying to kind of fix myself because I thought I can heal myself, but I didn't understand what that really was, what the mind-body connection was in this deeper way. So it was about a year and a half in and I finally had this diagnosis by an allergist and tested me up and down my arm and, you know, injected all kinds of like horse dander and, and dog dander and dust mites and like stuff you could be allergic to. And he's like, you're allergic to almost every single thing that we tested. I've never seen someone so allergic. You have allergies and here's what you need to do. And then there was this big complicated regime with special cleaning solutions and special medications and lifestyle changes. And I just realized like, wait a minute, that does not feel like my solution. It's like, it was so chaotic to even think about that much changing my life and what that meant. And I'm like, I never had these allergies before. Like I'm inflamed. I didn't used to be inflamed, but why am I inflamed? So I just kind of said, thank you very much. And I realized then like, this was between me and me. There's something that was inflaming my body. And I was willing to look underneath that instead of just looking at the surface, like I'm allergic and inflamed and here's how to fix it. But why am I in this? imbalance and what needs to happen in my body to restore balance. And that's when I had like a whole new awareness of seeing how I was fighting my body, fighting my symptoms, fighting disease, and like trying to go after it and heal myself was all creating a stress state. It wasn't a state of receiving health or a state of abundance or a state of flow. It was like, let me achieve. And you know, the way I was going about my life was all about achievement. You know, I was in medical school and I was running marathons. And so there was this disconnection within me that created this disruption, created this inflammation created this hell this symptom and yeah it showed up physically in the labs but it, that didn't mean that it couldn't be resolved and my health restored when I allowed this deeper surrender and so it was a very very quick turnaround um, where I had this realization and then I'm like you know I've got to stop fighting my body so I kind of let all of that go and my symptoms resolved very very quickly no more pain, no more severe fatigue, migraines, all, all of that. Um, but the realization for me was like, whoa, this is nothing like I thought it was. Of like, I got to go after it and I've got to achieve this health, which I think so many of us try to achieve health. What was required was like a surrender. And there's nothing, no matter how hard I tried, that could have created that. Let's talk about that a little bit more deeply because I watch some of your YouTube videos last night and one of them really stood out for me and it was something along the lines of what pain is telling you. And you mentioned, just as you mentioned before, where you were saying that you looked at yourself as you had to fix yourself, kind of like you were broken. And a lot of people do this. What was your thought process when these things were being thrown at you, when you had these illnesses and all of these symptoms? What was your thought process? Were you still in the mind frame of you were broken or did you switch that thought process? 
that's when it really changed is when I got that diagnosis and then here's the solution. And I was like, this is not resonating for me. This isn't joy, freedom, ease. This is like kind of like a death sentence that I have to do all these things and take all these medications. And that's when they kind of said, you're, you're broken. You have this problem. Here's what needs to happen. And I realized like, wait, there's more possible. Like what else is possible here that I could allow? And so it kind of required me to stop seeing myself as broken. Because if you're broken, it's like, you got to fix this. You got to fix that. You got to try harder. And you know, that just wasn't getting me anywhere. And it made things a lot worse. And when I started to listen to the pain and ask what's right about this that I'm not getting, that's when I received all of that, not only the insight and the awareness, but the what allowed my body to heal. Mm -hmm. So you started looking at things as what's right about it instead of just saying, hey, what's wrong about this? You you, you looked at it, what yeah. was right. What's, and wrong you... me, what's, wrong with me, what's wrong with me? Whatever questions we're asking, we're always going to receive the answer in our awareness. We'll always, you can't not receive the answer. So if you're asking what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I so unhealthy or why am I in pain or why am I whatever overweight? You're always going to get the reason. Oh, here's why. Here's all the things wrong with you. And that doesn't create a solution. It just creates more problems, more stuff to fix. So when I started to ask what's right about this, I'm not getting, I had a whole new level of awareness that went beyond anything I imagined. Getting into this because you're a doctor, I was on the other side of the, the fence at one time as a pharmaceutical representative. And what I saw with a lot of people was once they receive a diagnosis, they go downhill. Again, you're a doctor. What would be the thought process for someone out there who's listening, who received the diagnosis of cancer or received the diagnosis of an autoimmune disease? How would they handle that? You want to remember it? that there's like, what is it that's required to bring my body back into balance? So it's not, why do I have cancer? Not that you don't want to know that. That might be an interesting idea. But if you really want to heal, you actually want to expand into the solution. Like Einstein tells us the solution doesn't exist at the same consciousness where the problem lies. And so if we're asking like, just like I was, why am I so broken? What's wrong with me? Why do I have this disease? Why am I in so much pain? It's the same thing. You can let that awareness of, okay, my body's manifested this cancer. What is it not getting that it needs? Or what is it getting too much of that it doesn't need? Where is there, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally, right? Because a lot of times in conventional medicine, we distill it just to the physical and we think that these are not connected, which is a little strange because it's been 30 years of very, very hardcore scientific medical research showing that these are connected, that are immune system is affected by our thoughts and then our emotions affect like every cell in the body and it affects it immediately. That cancer has been caused by this underlying stress response and cortisol levels and disruption of our immune system that, that they're very intimately linked and can't be separated. So if we begin to see what is it my body's getting that, it, you know, too much of <clears throat> that, it, that it doesn't need physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, well, what is, what am I not getting that I need physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally? What is it that my body needs? Because if my body's meant to live in health and to repair itself, if it's not doing that, then there's something amiss. What's required here? 
And so to begin looking at a deeper level, asking questions in a deeper level, not that you don't address the issue, you know, certainly change your diet and begin eating. You know, a lot of people have different philosophies about cancer and, and what how the diet affects it and what diet's going to help the most. If chemotherapy is something that is aligned for you, then begin to investigate these resources. Yeah, but you really don't want to just look at the tip of the iceberg and fix the cancer. You want to actually look at what created this. What energy am I in that created this imbalance? in my body. Let's let's back up because like I said, I come from a different world. I come from a, a background of pharmaceuticals. And one of the things I remember when I first started my job back years ago, I'm not in it now, but I remember just going to like general practitioners, going to family medicine. And then actually I used to call on doctors of osteopathy, but what is a doctor of osteopathy just for the audience out there? And also, do you think because you were in that area that you're in osteopathy that you were more open to going beyond just to conventional medicine? Well, I would say that being open is what led me to go into osteopathic medicine. So for some people, they may be not so open and somehow they are becoming an osteopathic doctor and that opens them. But usually those who choose that path, which osteopathy is really, it's a conventional medical model where we also learn about how the mind and body are connected. We also learn about how the body heals itself. And we learn some ways ways of assisting that. So yes, you could, you know, I'm an emergency medicine doctor. I trained at a conventional hospital at Emory University. So there's a lot of osteopathic doctors, which is a DO instead of an MD, where we are very conventional in our practice or our training. Um, but you do have a core within medical school where you're exposed to more than that, where you're actually taught about how the mind and body are connected, how the body heals itself, how everything within your body is interconnected and interrelating. Now, this, like I mentioned, in the past 30 years plus of medical research, we've arrived at this, but it hasn't been integrated in the conventional model so fully yet. More and more, it's kind of seeping in there, but it will take like a major revamp of the foundation of how we teach medicine because we teach very separate. Like, you know, here's your right arm and here's your left arm and they have nothing to do with each other. Or here's your liver and here's your kidney and they're completely separate. And it, it's a contrived way of doing it because we know it's not true. But in the conventional model, it leads to you got one doctor for the kidney, one doctor for the liver, one doctor for the right arm, one doctor for the left arm, and they don't talk to each other or understand how these areas are connected. So it creates some disjointedness in our system. For for osteopathic doctors, it's a little more connected. But like I mentioned, it, it there's some ways it's still not fully integrated in, in our model. So it's more that I was just a very open-minded person willing to explore what's possible or learn about like, wow, someone had a spontaneous remission of a stage four cancer where they're almost dead and, you know, metastatic cancer. And now there's zero cancer. You can't find the cancer. What allowed that? What created that? Because there is a science behind it. It's not some outlier that we can say, oh, well, that's a miracle. So we, we don't understand that. Let's just put that in another box. That's that's total crap. Like we want to actually be as doctors, it's our responsibility to explore that. Wait, what did happen? And how can I understand things differently so I can incorporate this and and allow other people to experience this as well? Instead of saying, "Well, I already know everything there is to know and this doesn't fit what I know to be true, so let me dump it." Wait a minute. Life is already showing you 
that what you think you know isn't the whole picture. So it really requires us to expand the, the picture and that requires us to be more open-minded and be more expansive and be more willing to receive. Do you think you would have been as open if you had not had suffered from your own illness? You know, yes, because that happened later. I was like a third year medical student. So mm-hmm. it was certainly part of my journey of expansion and into having more awareness about this mind-body connection and just how powerful it is. But I've had that my whole life. It's what drew me to medicine. It's what drew me to osteopathic medicine. It's what drew me to mind-body medicine. Like that's the whole reason I wanted to become a doctor. And I've had this kind of awareness my whole life where I could feel my body in a different way. I could feel more deeply what was happening within my body um, and had awareness that most people didn't have. And that kind of led me to explore and wonder and ask questions and look at things more deeply. Why do you think you're open? And of course, there are some other people out there open. Why do you think maybe I would say there's a 70-30 mix, 30 being more open than you have a 70% mix of people or doctors out there who aren't open? Why Why do you think that is? That's a that's a really good question. We could do a whole, whole seminar just on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it has to do with your level of consciousness. When we're in fear, we doubt. We um, actually use skepticism as protection. Like I met a doctor a few weeks back and he's like, well, I'm a skeptic. So I only trust things that I are founded in evidence-based medicine. And, you know, I only let, let, like consider those kinds of things. And there is so much fear because we base our reality on what we know. And the scariest thing in the world is to find out that what you know is, is not true. What you know is nothing that who you are is not who you are. Like it can be so disruptive. And I know for me, it's, it's been that way. But when we're only willing to receive information by what is evidence-based or pharmaceutical-based, which is really the the pharmaceutical model, then as doctors, we're missing 99.9% of the equation. So what if we can have awareness in a different way and then put it to the test and then maybe do a clinical trial or do a study and look at how does life respond to this, what's actually happening? We can receive information and awareness in a different way um, and then still find that it's true scientifically. So the skepticism comes from fear. If we're afraid, we've got to kind of like block and protect so we can't let things in. And that's been a huge detriment to modern medicine. Yeah, a lot of people, they just don't like their beliefs challenge. And I know I used to be one of those people, but but through something that happened to me, I became a little bit more open. Let's talk about this whole thing because the recurring theme in your book seems to be thoughts and emotions. How important are our thoughts and our emotions? Well, they're a portal for awareness of the energy we're in. So if you're in like the energy of um, anger or fear, it's going to create certain chemical responses in your body. It's going to create certain thought patterns, certain perspectives, like you're kind of protecting yourself or you're wary of meeting new people or whatever. You're wary of, of trying on new things or like you said, having your beliefs challenged. So you can actually begin to become aware of the energy you're in when you become aware of how you're feeling emotionally. Now, most people, they're not aware of how they're feeling emotionally. They're not even aware of what they're feeling physically. So if they have pain, like for me, it really grounded me into my body. We spend a lot of times like in a head thinking and we can be in the past, we can be in the future, we can be in other people's heads. What do they think about me? And oh, why did he say that? And we're not actually present to ourselves. We're not present to what's happening right here within me. So it's a great portal to start by presencing the physical body, feeling 
feeling, how do I feel physically? Relaxing my shoulders, allowing myself to witness my breath and become aware of what kind of state am I in? Am I expansive and relaxed? Am I contracted and intention? And that's kind of the first piece to develop this presence within yourself. When we're disconnected, it's like you're susceptible to all the energies you're in. So if other people around you are angry, you're going to feel angry. If other people around you are in fear, the world's coming to an end, I'm not safe, I'm not okay, you're going to all of a sudden experience that. And you're like all tensed up and nothing's going right and your life's not okay because you're not accessing your own power. So it isn't so much as oh, I've got to know what my thoughts are and I've got to know my beliefs so I can change them. It's more that having awareness of thoughts, our ideas, our beliefs, our emotions, or even just what's happening in my body, right, will access me to a greater awareness, will access me to realize what energy I'm residing in so that I can allow the resolution of that. What goes on, I guess I would say biochemically or chemically in the body when we are constantly having negative thoughts? And the second part of that question would be when we have these recurring negative thought processes over and over and over over again. It's that the word am I looking for here? Culmination of an illness. Is that how illness actually comes about? Uh-huh. It, it, it's a great question. Um, yes. So, so what happens is the thoughts are stemming from the energy you're in. So let's think of energy like a big pool of water and the water, you know, like say you're in a dark space, a dark pool of water and you can't see anything. You can't feel anything. You feel cold. It's like this, it just becomes like, this is the truth. This is what I am. This is how I am. We don't see um, ourselves separate from our emotions. It's like we just become, I am this angry person, or I'm this fearful person, or I live in anxiety, or I'm a depressive. When we can witness like, oh, this is just the energy I'm in. And then there's me observing this energy. But the energy we're in of, of shame or fear or anger, frustration will create and affect our cells, will affect what's happening chemically. So if we think of our emotional state like an energy state, anger has anger chemicals, stress chemicals, um, toxicity builds up, waste products build up, your body becomes inflamed, it triggers your immune system. Same thing with fear, it triggers your fight or flight system, it triggers your brain to sort of like small thinking, everyone's out to get me, I've got to protect myself, I'm not safe, I'm not okay. So your thoughts, your emotions, and your chemical states will be a reflection of the energy you're in. When you allow yourself to... um, because what you resist persists, right? You can't fight it. Mm-hmm. To come into harmony with it, like recognizing it. Here I'm in fear. Like, so when we're in lower emotional states, like anger, fear, frustration, hatred, shame, you may not be aware of what's happening in your body. Most people, they're really not aware of what's happening, how they feel emotionally or even how they're feeling physically. But you can access this awareness just by feeling your physical body. What am I feeling in this moment? And even just touching into what I'm feeling physically will give me access to what's happening emotionally. What we see medically is that when you're in fear or shame or anger, it creates anger chemicals. It creates stress chemicals. Your cortisol levels go up, your inflammatory hormones go up, you go into inflammation. These are the underlying markers of every major chronic illness that most people are dying of. Cancer, diabetes, 
overweight, autoimmune illness. When we're in higher emotional states of, of joy or of love or of freedom, it changes. Our cortisol levels go down. Our white blood cells go down. These inflammatory markers go down. And there's harmony physiologically, chemically in your body that reflects that higher emotional state. And so it's not so much about, oh, I've just got to be happy and then I'll be healthy. I've just got to get happy because you can't try to get happy. It's like that will create more stress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I was trying to do for that whole year is like, I got to try to feel better. Well, you can only allow the restoration of that state. So by embracing your anger instead of fighting your anger, by embracing your fear, nurturing yourself through the intensity of your fear instead of running from your fear, you allow those states to dissolve. And so in the work that I've done, especially with the Instant Elevation program, it's to allow you to embrace that harmony, to assist you in embracing that harmony that allows the dissolution of the you know, what you're holding, the tension that you're holding, the anger that you're holding, the shame or embarrassment or whatever it might be, fully allow fluidity with your body, with your health, with your life. What happens when people continuously have the same illness over and over again? Because to, to be blunt, when people encounter cancer, most of the time it goes into remission and then it comes back. That's happened. That happened yes. with my mom and I lost my yes. mom. What's happening is this because we're not fixing our thoughts and really not paying attention to our emotions. They're, they're the same thoughts and emotions are there. It's not like I had mentioned earlier. It's not the thoughts and the emotions. It's the energy state. Your mm-hmm. thoughts and your emotions emanate from your energy state. Your chemical responses of cancer emanate from your energy state. So the reason the cancer, you know, we can address it physically and like pull those cancer cells out of the body or radiate the body, but you haven't addressed the underlying energetic cause of why the cancer is getting created. So if that person, like I had a, 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 can- a patient who had cancer and the cancer came back. So she had dealt with it before. They took it out in surgery and did some chemotherapy. And now she found out the cancer was back. And that's when she found my work. And she said, you know, I know we could do a radi- you know, a, a chemotherapy and surgery again, but I know that's not really my solution. Like that didn't work for me. There's something else that's bringing this back. And I want to really get to the bottom of this. And what I found with working with her was she was in this energy of like, I'm not good enough. I don't matter. So all of her relationships reflected that she kind of let people overpower her, didn't really speak up, was kind of meek and meager. And oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. She had a very loving husband, but wasn't able to really ask for what she wanted or ask for help, like felt guilty about asking people for help or support because she felt bad about having cancer or being a burden. Um, At work, she had a role that, you know, she was kind of like, wow, I'm not playing to my strengths. I know I could be doing so much more, but I'm really playing small. So her whole life was in this pattern of don't notice me. I'm not worthy. I don't matter. I'm not I'm not significant. And, you know, that pattern creates stress chemicals in the body. It's suppressive. It suppressed her aliveness. It suppressed her essence from coming through or sharing and speaking like, hey, this is who I am and this is what I want. This is what I would like. Hey, let's do this. This is what's fun for me. You know, she wanted to take a trip to Europe and was like, oh, I don't know if we can afford it. And like really playing small, not realizing um, 
you know, she could show up and her passion, her husband was willing to do whatever she wanted. And so through the work together, she was able to move out of that suppressive state and actually move into vibrance and move into vitality by embracing who she is. And, you know, there's different ways that we do this work and like connecting with ourselves more fully. It's really powerful. But what happened was all of the cancer cells shrunk. She had several tumors and they said, we may have to resect part of your colon when we go in to do the surgery because it's, you're right in this area that we don't know how it's going to go. Um, and that there are like five different tumors they had to take out when they went in and they found them on an MRI. When they went in to do surgery, they said, um, all of the tumors shrunk significantly and they were only able to find three of the five cancerous tumors. Mm -hmm. So her body, that's part of what we did in the work was allowing her body to resorb this toxicity that kind of got created and release all of this energy. And this is not an outlier. Like this is, there are many, many, many documented cases where cancer can shrink or uh, resolve completely by this kind of work, by allowing ourselves to be in a different energy. So for people like your mom, when we don't under uh, like address the underlying cause, that person is very likely going to continue to be inflamed and continue to create cancer cells. So no matter how many times we take them out, or even if they change their diet and try to change things, if they still reside in those energies of anger or shame or fear, it's it's going to create that. There, there's actually a, an amazing book by Anita Morjani. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now, and I she, know what I read it. I read it. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, I have it on my desk here too. So I'm looking around for it, but uh, it's called dying to be me. Yes. And she had this experience where she had the really severe cancer on her deathbed in hospice and through a near death experience had an awakening and re- you know, came into a higher consciousness and realized, wow, it's been all this fear. There's so much fear that prevented me from really being myself, expressing myself fully, showing up as me because I lived this contrived fear of who I thought I was supposed to be and how I learned how to be. And that suppressed the energy flow in my body. And when she released the fear, she had a complete remission of her cancer. Like the doctors tried biopsy after biopsy. They're like, we cannot find a single cancer cell in your body. And she had the awareness of that resolution. She knew she moved out of that fear and even has been quoted to say, like, the fear is what created this cancer. So there's so much more awareness of this with documented case studies, but also a lot of scientific research showing this inflammation and the the precursors of cancer that are related to these lower emotional states. I want to get you out of here on time because I know you have some some time constraints, but there were a couple of things I really wanted to to hit here that really rang true to me in your book or really kind of grabbed my attention. One of the things was the mind, because when we think about thoughts, we we think about the emotions, the thoughts, but we think that our mind is located in the brain. Where is the mind actually located? The mind is throughout the body. And we see this in science that like your gut has a whole, they call it the second brain. There are neurotransmitters created in the lining of the gut. And so these signal our body neurologically to feel a certain way, to do a certain thing, independent of our conscious mind or our brain function. But we've also seen this in the kidney, in the heart, that the emotions you're in 
can sort of channel through the neurons in the heart and create neurotransmitters that go out and affect the brain. They change the thoughts you're having. They change your actions and behaviors. They change your way of perceiving things. And again, when you're in heightened emotional states of love or joy, and it allows this expansion in the body into greater health and a higher level of perceptual awareness. So it changes everything, not just for your brain, but for every cell in your body. So we now see that the, our consciousness is located throughout all parts of the body. Yeah, that was huge for me when I when I saw that. The other thing is the relaxation response. What What is that and how does that help us? So that is linked to the parasympathetic nervous system. So in our voluntary nervous system, like you move your arms, you move your feet, but there's this other part of the nervous system that is involuntary. Like um, you're going to breathe, your heart's going to beat, your gut is going to digest. You're going to do all kinds of involuntary functions. And one part of um, that system is sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight. It's going to stimulate your neurotransmitters of adrenaline and like speed up your heart rate, heighten your mental acuity, so you're like really laser focused, increase your blood pressure, pump the blood away from the gut into the muscles. And then the other part of that autonomic part, that's the automatic involuntary nervous system is your parasympathetic nervous system. That's the relaxation response. So you have the fight or flight response. You have the relaxation response. A lot of people are walking around in fight or flight. So they're like on guard, looking out, protecting constantly like I am being threatened. When you're in that state, not only can you not relax and have a bigger picture awareness of like, wow, I really am connected with all things or wow, I really am deeply loved and worthy. Um, but also physically you're contracted. So you can't digest your food. And so many people are trying to manage this by altering their diet or getting rid of gluten or getting rid of 10 different foods and they're living in fight or flight. So it, it's like they're always going to have to keep managing and it's harder and harder, but it also limits your brain state. So when you're in fight or flight, you can't relate with others from a loving place. You're actually relating from fear and urgency. You can't create your work from an inspired, abundant place. So you're creating it in survival. And that's why like, I never have enough money. I never, I'm just barely making it. When you go into the the parasympathetic, the what we call the relaxation response, it turns off fight or flight. It gets you out of reaction. It gets you out of fear. It gets you out of urgency and back into your natural state, a flow of abundance. You're not meant to be in fight or flight, but like maybe seconds or minutes. And it's meant to turn off. Mm -hmm. And you're meant to live most of your life in this relaxation response where you have the awareness of like, oh, it could be so easy to create my life. And it could be so easy to receive everything I need. It could be so easy to love others and relate to them and understand and have compassion instead of constantly being triggered or frustrated with everything everyone does. So it, it's really this like release valve that allows us to enter the harmony of who we are. And that's what I've created with my work is to bring people into that harmonic state. It's right here, it's always available, and your body can work in this totally amazing way if you allow it. So the, 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 the relaxation response isn't something you can work at or try to make happen. It actually happens automatically 
when you release fear. Mm -hmm. So the, the instant elevation program I created is really all about that. It's like, how do I allow those energies to resolve and dissolve so I can reside in this space of harmony? The last couple of minutes here, I wanted to get into three of the concepts in your mind body toolkit book that sure. really, that really stood out with me. And you can do them real succinctly if, if you'd like, because I know we're on the time constraint here, but the first one was change your thoughts. And that's huge because I came into some things that helped me with changing my thoughts that have really propelled me a little bit further in what I'm doing now. But my question to you is a lot of people hear this stuff all the time. We hear from people like Wayne Dyer, change your thoughts and your, your life changes. You work with people who are in pain, chronic pain, probably autoimmune. What happens when those thoughts come back? What do you tell them? It's really about not believing your thoughts, not buying into them mm -hmm. so that you can expand beyond them and experience something bigger. So even just trying to change your thoughts can become limiting because you're like, I really am healthy. Everything really is okay. And you're like, no, that's not even true. I don't believe it for a second. I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. But to at least, because what happens when you're in pain is like, oh my God, it's awful. I'll never get what I need. This will never go away. Um, I know for me when I would, like when the pain would hit, I'd be like, oh God, not again. Oh God, I'm so powerless. I'll never be able to, to kick this thing. Like I have no idea what to do and I'd feel hopeless and powerless. So it wasn't just the experience of physical pain. There was an emotional energy that went with it too. That keeps the pain in place. It, it prevents fluidity in the body. So when I stopped buying into the thoughts, I was like, wait a minute. Let me just feel the pain. I'm just in pain. It's in my back. What does it feel like? Okay, back. You're okay. And let my body relax. I stopped buying into the thoughts. So I stopped hooking into that energy of powerlessness. Hmm. And that really was what allowed me to receive so much more and why my body could heal so very quickly is because I allowed myself to unhook from that energy, the energy that the thoughts were poking me into. I let myself unhook from that. And that's really how I've, what I've seen in my work is, is usually people can resolve very, very quickly because the body is that resilient and allows something more expansive to come in. Many people stay in that state of powerlessness and they never get out of it. And that's one of the things that um, I think keeps people where they are. The second thing, and this one is probably the the biggest one, and I was like cheering when I was <laughs> reading your book and preparing for the interview, is loving yourself. How, why is it so hard for us to accept ourselves and really love ourselves? And how far does that take us when it comes to something like a chronic illness, cancer, diabetes, or something else? How, how far does that take us to actually just accept ourselves and love ourselves? It's everything. When I was with the chronic fatigue, I hated the fatigue. I hated the pain. I hated this problem. Like there was so much resistance and I'm like, no way I'm going to love this. No way I'm going to surrender to this because I thought that surrendering meant it would win. It's like, I'm in this fight. And if I surrender, this is my opponent. It's going to win. It's going to take me over and I'm never going to be able to do what I want in life. And I didn't realize that through allowing pure love, which is just the acceptance of like, okay, this is the severe fatigue and it just is what it is. I don't have to fight it. I don't have to make it my enemy. I don't have to fix it. I can just allow it and it actually will resolve. When I allowed myself to embrace what is, because you can say love what is and people think, oh, this is so great. I love it. I'm so tired and it's great. 
it's not that it's it's pure love which is allowing which is complete acceptance which is non-resistance and when i allowed that in everything dissolved and resolved because i was holding the energy together so whether it's your physical body or your physical symptoms or it's something in your life like your spouse or your ex, (laughs) someone Mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, I just, I can't stand this. I'll never embrace it. When you allow yourself to come into acceptance, non-resistance, okay, I'm going to embrace this as it is and release fighting and release any of the energy I'm holding on this and just allow it to be exactly as it is. What you'll find is there's a whole new relationship with it. And when you bring in pure love, it allows the dissolution of all of those blockages. The last thing is, this is something that I used to hear all the time. And it wasn't until maybe a year ago that I finally put it together and understood it. And that's the be, do, have concept. And once you explain that, just explain, and this will be the, the end of the interview, I promise. Just explain this whole thing of really getting into your life force, because I don't think people understand it. And I don't yes. think that when it's at the the cusp of why everyone is unhappy because they aren't really tapping into their life force and doing the things that really make them happy. But I know that's a loaded question. Just take the be do have question yeah, first and I get into the life the life force thing, and then we'll, then we'll be done. This is a great question, and you know I'm glad we had this interview because you brought out some really powerful points here, and it's it's important. The the be do have and people they use this with like success or or finance or business and it's this like um motivational catchphrase but what it actually points to is the essence of who you are is what creates the um the manifestation of like what is most fulfilling to you so you can call that success or abundance or whatever but when you're trying to have it like i gotta have a house and then i'll feel happy and i gotta have a million dollars and then i'll feel content and good about myself and we kind of try to reverse engineer it we're disconnecting from the essence of abundance that we are we're disconnecting from the freedom that we are oh when my body heals or when i lose 10 pounds then i'll feel good and i'll feel free But the truth of how you're built, how you're made, what we are, is that as you connect with the essence of freedom and fluidity and abundance and pure love that you already are, and you do it unconditionally, right? Like even if the money hasn't shown up or even if my body isn't healed yet, you connect with that within you. Just all you need to do is put your hand on your heart and breathe into your heart. And we could do that for a few moments too, to put your hand on your heart and breathe into this space, feel this stillness within you. We, we avoid it so often, but like do the opposite, feel the discord that's coming up, feel any fear, feel any urgency of, I got to learn what she's saying so then I can apply it. I want, well, let me take notes, do the opposite, dump everything and just go within you. That's where the wisdom is. That's where your essence is. That's where all things emanate from. And then just breathe into your chest, into your heart, and feel your heart expand. Let your heart expand. And see if you can feel that awareness of ease, the fluidity, the abundance. So when you're connected with that, that inspires you. It moves you. It gets you out of the seat to do what's going to be the most amazing thing you ever did, or it gets you into the bed to take a nap, which was exactly what you just needed right now. (laughs) It moves you into doing that is in alignment with 
creating your most abundant life. And then the have of how life shows up as a reflection of that is the result. But you always got to remember that the be, that the space you are residing in is 99.9999% of what gets expressed in your life. And that that will move you into the 0.0001% that's like the action taken or the words spoken or pick up and make a phone call or go out and write a book or go take a walk. That doing can stem from your being moved by the space within you. Like it's effortless and it automatically happens. You can't resist it. And that's what creates everything we have outside of us. So the B is your essence. And we don't, we don't learn about that. We actually learn to shut it down and to not pay any attention to it and just do what I'm telling you to do and be who I'm telling you to be. This is who you want to be. And don't listen to your heart. So it's like been learned that we shut down. And all we need to do is sort of let go of everything we learned and everything we think about our health, about life, about possibility to allow this inner wisdom, this inner whisper to begin to speak to us, to begin to light us up, to begin to guide us, to begin to move us so that we effortlessly allow our life to be created as abundant. And we, the, the second part of the question was just life force and how important is that us to really tap into that life force? Because I think most people are disconnected. We have so much going on. We have our cell phones. We have, you know, the things we're running around trying to take our daughters to this or that. And we become very disconnected. How important is it for us to really take some time, like you say, and get into that space and really get into our own life force. It's everything. If you take 10 seconds to connect with your essence, that lets your life force come through you to like 10 seconds. It, it, it's that quick. Great. If you take a whole minute, uh-huh. I set my alarm three times a day and it says, and this is what I tell people in the instant elevation program is they practice the instant elevation. And mine right now is It says spot check. I love you. Spot check is to check in with my body, a little body scan. Like, hey, body here. Here we are. How you doing? And I love you is to remember to emanate love. Like, hey, body, I love you. It's all good. Whatever you're holding on to, you're worried about right now, whatever you're triggered with, I love you. It's okay to remember that all is well. So I do this little spot check. I love you. And it comes up on my phone and it reminds me to go into that space so that my life force flows through me during the day, not like getting suppressed as I'm taking over with what I think I should do, but let my life force flow through and it will guide me and it will move me. And then I'm at the right place at the right time. Or I, I said this magical thing and people are like, oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear. How did you know? Well, I'm not doing it from my own desire and will. I'm doing it from where my life force moves me. And that will always be infinitely higher than what we think we should be doing ourselves. Man, I wish we had more time. <laughs> we don't because yeah, there, was so, awesome. there, there, there was so many questions. Website because I want people to have this. And I think it was a good depth of like what the possibility is with this work and, and what this is all about. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Tell me what your, your website is. And your book, of course, is the Mind Body Toolkit. It's available on Amazon. And actually, if you're one of the Kindle subscribers, you can get, I think you can get your book for free. I'm a Kindle subscriber, so I got your, your actual Kindle book for free. So that's an, an added bonus if you want to read the book. But tell us where your, your website is. I mean, yeah, the, your website. I'm at drkimd.com and they can actually get a package for the book. It's just a little package I put together for the, where they receive it 
in the ebook format along with a video program I created uh-huh. that kind of guides you through each of the tools in the mind body toolkit and that's right there under book right, right there on my page drkimd.com and then of course there's other like the online program for the instant elevation brings you much much deeper into this integration and I have ways of working with people privately in my group we we have a live group where we work together so for me this has been like so expansive that this work has been so well received and that so many people have let it let themselves allow such a transmutation and so much more to get created in their lives so i'm obviously super excited to be living this this is like my dream is to share this message and live it myself and um, I'm happy to assist people further with integrating this for yourself. Yeah. And you can look at Dr. Kim's YouTube channel. I was on there scrolling through some videos. And that's actually how I discovered her, uh, as I said at the beginning of the interview. And she has a lot of entertaining YouTube videos, not just the normal doctor stuff, but, <laughs> but yeah. it's some really, really good entertaining videos. And you learn a lot as well. Dr. Kim, thank you so much for the interview. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And people can find the YouTube link right there on my site as well, drkimd.com. And they can subscribe to um, my email so that we stay in touch. I love to kind of share the videos I do and, and things like that. So people who are interested in this can certainly subscribe. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank evening. you. 